Alright, we're just going to go ahead and get started then. People want to trickle in, they can. Um, smaller class today, so feel free to just chime in whenever. But uh, we do have family news, so join Hisdom and Orphan Care Ministry for their annual cake tasting at 6.30 tonight um, in the OC Brentwood Gathering Room, so just downstairs out here. Uh, there's also no cost to attend, so if you want to come taste some cake for free, um, come and do that tonight at 6.30. And then OC Women's Ministry is having a bow-making and present-wrapping lesson this Tuesday, November 14th, also in the Gathering Room, <clears throat> 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., Bring your own ribbon and bow uh, for your bow. And then family prayers. Uh, Betty Castleman's mother, uh, Mar uh, Martha Bramlett Mitchie, passed away November 6th. <clears throat> Irene, I'm probably going to pronounce her, mispronounce her last name. Irene Akuf? Akuf. Okay. Thank you, Dia. Mm -hmm. Longtime member of OC passed away on October 28th. So grade side services were held November 3rd. So. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started with prayer. Carter, you want to open us up with a prayer here, and then Dia will start us off. Sure. Um, Lord, thank you for um, today. We thank you for the people who are here, um, the ability to get here. Um, we thank you for the ability to meet. Um, we ask that this time, um, we ask that you uh, just let the Spirit move. Um, through us and, and in us as we uh, read the Bible. Um, we thank you for your son um, and his uh, display of love on the cross. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, one more announcement. <clears throat> Their, uh, Friendsgiving is tonight at Harding House, starting, uh, I think, beginning at 5.30. And we usually go a couple of hours. So come by. Uh, if you don't have anything to bring, that's totally fine. People have already signed up to bring um, desserts and foods and snacks and drinks. So at Harding House in Nashville, um, it's a good time. We It's a good time of fellowship to get to meet more people, especially the West End folks. Um, when I went to Friendsgiving last year, I met just a ton of people from the West End campus because it's just kind of down the street. So come tonight, Harding House, um, and have uh, a meal with... Uh, fellow churchgoers and friends and meet some new people. 5.30. Okay, we have Dia here today. You don't know Dia, Dia Dewar, wife of David Dewar. They've been here for quite some time. <clears throat> and Dia chose to spoke, uh, speak on Proverbs 31 today, a famous proverb. I'm sure we all grew up reading. So uh, Dia, if you want to introduce yourself, you can. Um, and then you can share your thoughts on Proverbs 31. I think... Everybody. Um, I don't know if you know you ladies as much, but I think everybody else here knows me. I'm Dia Dewar. I have been out of Creek for a long time now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 13, 13 years. 13 years now. Yes, thank you for doing the math for me there. Um, I'm currently serving on the um, adult ministry team, but that's only for a little while longer. I'm about to wrap up my term with that. Um, and um, we, we do Vespers, we do, we do all the things, uh, or most of the things, so um, we're around a lot. Um, yeah. What will you do next? Rest. Rest, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I've been sitting on that thing since January 2020, so we went through pandemic and bringing on a new campus, and I am tired. 
not that I was like instrumental in any of that, but just sitting through those yeah. emotionally and mentally <clears throat> tiring meetings was it's something. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, recently I was talking with one of the ministers here. I said, I just need you to know I'm tired. <laughs> like, like, I would love to keep going, but I'm tired. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair. Well, <clears throat> before we, before we, you kind of dive in and tell us why you chose this proverb, this wisdom text, um, there's a couple of things I did want to uh, point out for all of us here. And I totally forgot about this, but the entire chapter of Proverbs 31, sorry, beginning in verse 10, that's where the chunk of our text is. Mm -hmm. But beginning in verse 10, it's an acrostic poem. Does anyone know what an acrostic poem is? If you do, just explain it. Okay. So you got all the letters, and you spell something going down. Right. Each letter from the alphabet, right? Yeah, so not always, but yes. not always, right? But in Hebrew, mostly. Um, so in starting at verse ten, you have Aleph, yeah, and the second line, which would be verse eleven, Beit, and it begins with you know where it starts with Beit, and then Gimel, and so on and so forth. So that's something cool to notice. There's about thirteen, I think, in the Old Testament. A lot of them in are, are in Lamentations, chapters one through four. Um, so it's a cool little exercise, little ditty that the scribes would write. Um, something to memorize as well, easy. Um, and then Dia might touch on this, but I thought it was interesting that there's a, in verse 1 of 31, um, in the English it just says the words of King Lemuel, Lemuel but in, in the Hebrew text it says Lemuel, king of uh, Massah. So a place sort of south of Israel in the, re the region of Edom. Um, we don't really know who Lemuel was. A lot of Jewish tradition states that it was Solomon most likely. Um, and it really just means to God, someone dedicated to God. So just something cool to think about. And I thought that was interesting why the poet framed this chapter that way. And this, last, this is the last chapter of Proverbs. And it's interesting that it's about a, a woman and wisdom. So... Dia, why did you choose this text? Um, I, I'm going to be a little bit blunt. You two know, <laughs> both know individually and collectively I love you. But I, I was sitting here in this very class one day. We were talking about the lady wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I turned to, it may have been Amanda Vick. I don't remember who was sitting next to me that day. But I said, there's a bunch of dudes up there talking about the lady wisdom. <laughs> I don't remember who was the guest speaker that day. But it was a dude. Oh, was it you? Okay. That's probably why I didn't tell you. Um, and I, so part of it was just like, I'm like, this is like a passage that as a woman, like I've heard it all my life and I'm just like, somebody needs to talk about it. And so when you asked me to speak, I'm like, well, if nobody else is doing that one, I would, I would love to tackle it and kind of talk about um, some ways my understanding of the text has changed and kind of that's, yeah, that's right. pretty much it. Yeah. So, where did you first like come and encounter this chapter in Proverbs? You know, we grow up with different readings, different texts in the Old Testament or the Bible, but like, where do you, is there a specific memory you have? Uh, there's two. Um, so one, uh, my maternal grandmother, and I specify because the second one is my paternal <laughs> grandmother, but my maternal grandmother um, has, if not a piece, then all of this on a printing in her guest bathroom 
Um, and so I grew up, you know, going to visit grandma, and every time I went to the restroom, the woman of noble character does all these things. <laughs> uh, so, which is kind of interesting. I don't know why she put it there. Maybe it was just the colors. I don't know. But anyway, um, and knowing grandma, it was probably in the old King James, so it was probably written exactly like that. So that's kind of probably my first encounter with it, um, is just, you know, bathroom art. And then um, my second, probably more strong connection to it, um, when my paternal grandmother passed away, um, I was... Maternal? No. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I know who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> um, when grandmommy passed away, my dad's mom, um, my, my mother, was, we were planning the ceremony and all that, and, um, and I was very close to grandmommy. Um, I relate to her more than I do the, any of my other grandparents. Um, losing her was, was kind of a big deal for me. And I was, I was young. I was like uh, 15, 16 when she passed away, which, you know, she was my grandmother, and that's, you know, not terrible, terribly young. But at the same time, it was, um, it was still hard for me because she was my favorite. Um, and uh, anyway, my mom said, you should probably read that passage at her funeral, um, which I did, not really <coughs> understanding a whole lot of things. And um, it's... My grandmommy was a noble woman, and so it was apt and it was good to read that text at her funeral. And I was uh, looking back on it, I didn't understand all this in the moment, but I'm really glad that I got to be the one to do that. But that was just kind of a, another key memory for me um, with that. Okay. Um, yeah. Can we go ahead and just, before we dive in more, go ahead and just read? Do you, did you want to start, do we want to start in verse 10? Um, and go to verse 31? Y yes. Okay. Yes. I'll go ahead and start off. Okay. I'll do a few verses and anyone can pick up from there. <clears throat> I'm reading from the NRSV. Okay, verse 10. A capable wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant, and she brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and tasks for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. I'm reading from the ESV in this verse 16. Uh, she considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, uh, and her hands uh, hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow uh, for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen, uh, linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchant with sashes. 
Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy. Her husband, too, praises her. Many women have done excellently, <clears throat> but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands and let her work and let her works praise her in the city gates. <coughs> so a lot there. Um, when I was prepping for this, uh, you're right, Dee, I think a lot of times, even when you look at you know, who's written on this text, I looked up commentaries, um, popular blogs, a lot of it still was written by ma- like males, and a bunch of the commentaries were too. But I'm really curious, and, and when I actually, when I looked at a bunch of the blog posts, a lot of them, uh, some of them were written by women, um, and a lot of them actually reflected what I was already reading in the males' commentary and books and all of that stuff. And so it's, I didn't come across a whole lot of fresh perspective other than talking with my wife, Emily, and with some of my other family members about this text. But I think we really, I would like to at least to know what, how you read this as a woman. Yeah. Um, and that has changed over the years, I think. Um, it's, um, it seems popular in the culture I grew up in, I'll put it that way. Um, but this is almost like a checklist of what it means to be a woman, a good, godly woman. Um, I will say I don't read it that way anymore. Um, I'll get to that in just a second, but um, like even with, I was mentioning those childhood experiences, it's like, okay, I've got to do all these things in order to be a good, godly woman. Um, Anybody else have any, like, like when you just hear Proverbs 31, what's the first thought or feeling that comes about guys or girls? Um, Just kind of curious, like what y'all, what your experience is. Like an instruction manual. Yeah. Oh, you want to be a good wife? Here you go. Here's your list. Or it's always said in the past tense of like, she was a Proverbs 31. Like it's, it's never said, I never hear people say, oh, you are a Proverbs 31 person. It's always usually after someone passed away or something of that nature. It is like, it's it's almost like they were the role model. They were, the, they were that person and Um, anybody else have something they want to share? I don't want to. So, <clears throat> someone please correct me on this, but I didn't grow up in the South. I grew up in California, and I'll be honest, Proverbs 31 wasn't a huge text in my church. I heard of it um, from other friends I knew, I knew from the South, and especially from my wife, because she, she always talks about like growing up in this thing called purity culture mm-hmm. and at church camp. And I had no concept of that really when I first moved out here. Um, and you know, I didn't really know that until I spoke with my wife and other people in college um, who grew up in that. We, I had something similar like that in church growing up, but it, there was never this like emphasis on Proverbs 31 wife or, or like um, purity rings and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm only coming at this by way of my wife and other, other folks, but 
um, yeah, she, she would speak of how uh, this was yeah, a checklist for, even for young women, and she was in, Emily, my wife, she was like in middle school at these camps, and they would harp on this chapter of how to prep, right? Prep for your husband and things like that. that so that's kind of how I'm coming at this. Yeah, and that's definitely um, my early experience with it as well. Um, I read a book with um, just a book club that I have been a part of um, by Rachel Held Evans. It's, I'm not quoting any of her other books or anything she's ever said or done because I haven't read any. Well, I, was, I followed her on Twitter for a while. But anyway, um, I'm not talking about any of the other stuff because there's other stuff. Um, but she wrote a book called uh, Year of Biblical Womanhood, and that's the one we read for this particular book club. And one chapter in that book, um, she just deals with the Proverbs 31 woman, uh, or Proverbs 31 wife, I can't remember how she does. Anyway, um, and one of the things that um, I'm going to touch on for just a minute is just even talking about the Proverbs 31 woman, like that first phrase, woman uh, or noble wife or competent mm -hmm. wife, or like that one phrase is translated so many different ways. Um, right. If you'll bear with me for just a second as I find it. Like she goes, she found a list, um, and I'm, I'm just borrowing from her work here. I didn't double check all this because I wasn't going to look at it. I tried to, but we didn't have that many Bibles around. Um, sorry, I didn't have that. Oh, there it is. Um, a good wife, an excellent wife, a competent wife, a capable wife, a virtuous and capable wife, a wife of noble character, a virtuous woman, a worthy woman, a valiant woman, a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. That's the Amplified Bible, if you could tell. Um, <laughs> but just like there's a variety of different ways just that phrase is. And they go from, you know, holding women up to this virtue to say, this is just someone who's capable. Um, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Sorry. So much. You woke up today. <laughs> yeah. And I would say, you go, girl. You woke up and got out of bed today. That's what I would say. You go, girl. And, 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 uh, what I got from, and I'm going to paraphrase, no, we're still good, but um, I may come back and read some of this. Um, but it kind of took me from a place of reading that as a checklist to this poem, as I understand it from what reading from her, was actually similar to like poems written for warriors. And so what King Lemuel's mom might have been doing is say, hey, you look at your warriors like this, go look at that wife you married and like give her some, like praise her in the same way you praise your warriors who go to battle for you. Um, and um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take over a little bit, sorry. Go for sorry it. guys. Go. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any questions. Okay, <laughs> excellent. You will later. Um, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. You're not married enough to play. <laughs> um, so Rachel Held Evans was apparently in contact with a, um, a Jewish woman and she was in communication with her and apparently our Jewish brothers and sisters see this text completely differently than how mm -hmm. I grew up saying it and so I'm quoting Hava here uh, about this text um, here's the thing Christians seem to think that because the Bible is inspired all of it should be taken literally Jews don't do this even though we take the Torah literally all 613 commandments the rest is seen differently as a way of understanding our creator rather than direct commands. Take Proverbs 31, for example. I get called an ashit hayil. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, a valorous woman all the time. 
Make your own holla instead of buying it? A shit hell. Work to earn some extra money for the family? A shit hell. Uh, make balloon animals for the kids at shul? A shit hell. Every week at the Shabbat table, my husband sings the Proverbs 31 poem to me. It's special because I know that no matter what I do or don't do, he praises me for blessing the family with all my energy and creativity. All women can, women can do that in their own way. I bet you do as well. Uh, and then Rachel chimes in here. I looked into this and sure enough, in Jewish culture, it is not the women who memorize Proverbs 31, but the men. Husbands commit each line of the poem to memory so they can recite it to their wives at the Sabbath meal, usually in song. Um, and so that's just a new way of reading it is to say like, it's just to like, basically it's a you go girl poem. Like whatever you do, this is a presumably, well it's king, the king saying like, she's awesome. Like look at all this stuff sh that she, and I think it's really probably a more universal she than an individual she. Mm -hmm. um, but look at all the things that women do to bless um, the community, to bless their families, um, and um, so it's 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 more like yeah, just kind of a you go girl kind of thing. Um, and that there may be a better way of saying that, but that was that was the term when I was young. <laughs> like that's how we did that. Um, yeah, that's it. To me, it's I've seen the change of men, and, and Josh has done this before as well, of when people are saying, oh, you know, she stays at home. And that sounds so degrading and how the, um, how the culture is really pushing the fact that no, you know, being at home is just as much work as, you know, at, you know being at, a work, at a, a work eight to five or realizing that women do so much for the family that gets assumed, like it's, um, it's the, uh, a woman can stay home with the kids all day long, but then if the, if the son, if the son, if the husband, he's like, oh, I have to keep the kids today. Well, what was your wife doing just yesterday? Like she was taking care of the kids. And there seems to be this, because of that mentality that we had growing up, at least here in the South, of that these were the things that a woman could do, and they were just a checklist, so therefore you had to do them. They weren't viewed as honorific, like a warrior would be. So I, I think it's good for us to be reminded of that. I also wonder, this is just something I was thinking through when, uh, is it because there's not a lot of strong female complementarian or compliments like you know good like you have Ruth, you have Esther, but a lot of the other women in Scripture are very um, I don't know they just don't seem they either have there's something about them that doesn't kind of hold them up to the same level and so I'm curious to know if that's maybe a reason why this is included in, in, in Proverbs, or Psalms, Proverbs. I kind of um, am thinking of even just like de-genderifying it, if I can, of um, 
like whatever you do, whatever God calls you to do and whatever you do, do it with honor and with valor. And as people who are in community with each other, when we notice someone, male or female, um, but I would say, well, no, I'll get to that in a second. Um, like honor that, like say, wow, that's amazing. Even if it's like maybe not the, and you know, not the thing that's gonna get the most likes on Instagram or the, you know, the stuff that's gonna win awards anyway, but just like, oh wow, you had a hard week and you still made it here today. Like that's, that's awesome, like way to go, keep it up. Um, I think we all need that and I think um, culturally speaking and stereotypically speaking, like women seem to have a, a burden of um, you, and especially to now, it's like you need to be taking care of all the things in your house, and if you're married and have kids, you need to take care of everything in the house and your husband and your kids, and you need to be working a full-time job um, because you need to be, bring, I mean, we could go back to the text, right? Like she went and bought land, and she, like, it's like it was seen as that too, you know? And so I think amongst women ourselves, but just in general, like, um, Noticing that that's hard, like just living life is hard and to um, bring honor um, and praise, bring praise is probably the better term, um, when we see a person doing something that's, you know, has been hard, you know, it's like I see that you've, you've stuck through that, you've done the thing, um, way to go, like um, I think that's just kind of a, the overall message that I get from Proverbs 31 now that maybe I didn't get before. Well, and it's interesting because <clears throat> this, I think at the beginning of the chapter, at least there's a contrast in verse three, do not give your strength to women. It's the same word, chayil. Mm -hmm. And it's so Solomon or Lemuel, whoever we want to identify this guy as the dude, um, <laughs> you know, she's telling him these instructions, do not give your strength to women most likely something sexual in, in, in underlying that. But, mm -hmm. but then it goes immediately into, okay, now here's a strong wife or woman. This is what she looks like or, or these women will look like. And I actually read a um, translation by a woman scholar the other day. She translated chayil as substance, a woman of substance. Because mm -hmm. you have the substance, the general abstract term, and then the rest of the chapter is all of her attributes and her qualities. Um, and yeah, I mean, this chapter, like you were saying, Dia, has definitely been used to, you know, see, view and, and see women in a certain way, but, and especially in early Israel, we do know that, you know, it wasn't as, it wasn't super egalitarian, right? There was, women did have a specific job and duty and the men did as well, but later on in the Persian era, you actually do see women have more of a of an outside role than they had before. Like they're they're a little they're doing more things in other words, and we have evidence of that, which is why a lot of people want to put this chapter in that period as sort of a a, a late text. Mm -hmm. um, but so there's a shift there, of course. Um, and yeah, and so I'm curious as to what do like what do you think, especially the women in here? How does this look? How does this text translate to the 21st century? Because, I mean, just economically speaking, there's not a whole lot of couples where one just works and the other doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit harder to do that. <laughs> so 
I'm, I'm just curious of how, how we might understand that in, in the context today. I would like to turn that out to the class. Yeah. All right. Like, how does it translate to today? I think what you said about it being like, as like a not genderifying it and it being just like a whole um, piece of Christians in general um, and not necessarily it being the wife having to do all of these things but also the husband or the man like doing it as a unit together. The chapter also does a good job of acknowledging that it is work. Like what those things that are listed are work. And so in modern day, those are often split between the husband and the wife. Like she may not be managing the entire home if she has a full-time job as well. Like they're probably sharing those responsibilities. Yeah, I just spent the weekend in Chattanooga in a staying in a 14 year old's bedroom with verse 25 over the bed. And, but Philly is really into ballet and really good and like all of her like ballerina point shoes from like five to 14 are hanging on the wall. So like you look at that and then the, it's, it's more of a character trait than anything else. Just kind of a, it is kind of a you go girl kind of thing. It was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, wait, no, the verse was familiar. I was like, oh, I was sleeping under that all weekend. <laughs> what does verse 25 say specifically? You have that right The one about uh, clothes and strength and dignity mm-hmm. last and can last in the days to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, I almost think we can go, we could go verse by verse and like retranslate some things, right? Like, sure. like how would yeah. it look in today's stuff? And I already put my stuff away, but. Um, and I don't know exactly, I, like I've heard interpretations of this passage, y'all talk about kind of like the genderifying it. I, I've heard interpretations um, from people who, who say that like because, you know, like Proverbs opens up with Lady Wisdom and she's kind of an embodiment of what wisdom is, and then it ends with this like picture of like a really wise woman at the end and so a lot of people um or not maybe not a lot but i know some kind of read this in a similar way as y'all are reading it as like it's you know it's a bookend at the beginning of proverbs and then at the end of proverbs kind of like using a woman just as like a an embodiment of what wisdom looks like and so like anyone who like steps into wisdom or, or works or like has a family like these are the things that they um, that they employ and that they do um, and I don't say that to take like it I think you could you can be a woman and you can read this as like really empowering and it's for you and I think that that's good I don't want that like to be taken away um, I also think it's interesting at the beginning of Proverbs, like Proverbs 1-7, you know, the fear of the Lord, or the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Um, and then like one of the last verses is verse 30 of 31, verse 30, you know, charm is deceit and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears Yahweh is to be praised, right? So it's kind of like, you know, I just think it's interesting. Um, and it's interesting the way y'all are talking about kind of 
this is for everyone, I think that there is something to that. It's also intriguing to me listening to this conversation in light of earlier this year talking about how we looked at scripture in the New Testament regarding elders and qualifications of elders and how removing the gentrification of that um, and, and it's almost of what if we were to apply the Proverbs 31 text to a like how, how we treat one another and see one another on a daily basis if we lifted those, if we honor those people who did these things, what that would look like within the community of our church, just as much as if we have these expectations of our leaders doing this, if we had an expectation of ourselves in, you know, holding someone up and saying, you did it right, or you're doing well, if we just, how much more gracious our community would be. You say something, Yeah. Um, what I see from how this was interpreted in the past and then kind of what it is today, I, I kind of feel like, and this is really more of a cultural thing, which I think if you haven't been to first service yet, you know, like the <coughs> marriage guy talked about it with um, how people younger and younger are just not, you know, saying value in marriage and that kind of thing. And I think. Just like in the past on how they may have interpreted this, but you're still kind of seeing glimpses of it today in culture. If you let your preferences rule the world road, it doesn't matter whether it was what may have been accepted in the past, what may be accepted now. Um, it's one of those things where Um, it's like what we talked about on degenerifying things like we're, we're called as Christians to be different which means preferences like if everybody's not doing their part if everybody's not chipping in and we're getting caught up in the preferences and divisions and everything else of this world it's not really helpful um, so, yeah, what may have been interpreted for Proverbs back in the day might work, but it doesn't work now. Um, now, well, I'm not saying out of that, I'm not judging what happened in the past. I'm not judging how people might read it, you know, today. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter if it's in relationship with marriage, it doesn't matter if it's just relationship to show that you're alive and different from the culture. Um, if you don't truly believe you can't separate, you know, what may or may not be appropriate, it's the ultimate dilemma basically of what makes you a Christian over you know, anything else in my opinion, probably the reason like 
race relationships, not just marriage ones, might be so fractured. Yeah, and I think that's the, the tough part is trying to understand this in a, in a modern, con I think that's always the challenge, understanding it to a modern context. <clears throat> and how might folks understand this who aren't married, right? Like how does that, what does that look like? Can you be a, you know, sub woman of substance or strength or a capable woman if you're not married, right? I think because a lot of people have expressed mm -hmm. that frustration as well or mm -hmm. dilemma. I think it also like plays into the fact that as Christians we are called to um, work for the kingdom and work for the purpose of doing you know right by what we've been called to do. Um, I'm a teacher, and so like putting my love of the Lord like into my work is super important to me. Um, and I feel like that's a lot of what this leans into as well, like talking about um, getting up really early and doing all of these things. Well, that doesn't necessarily have to look exactly like that today, but, you know, getting up and do going to work and doing what you're called to do and putting your passion <coughs> for the Lord in those things on a daily basis. Totally. Yeah. Right. And you go, girl, Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's cool because, like, what what you're heading to is like the things matter, mm -hmm. but what matters more is like what what is motivating me to do these things, yeah. and how am I doing them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how is that different than someone else, right? Because right. yeah. I, it was funny, like we were reading this, and the next book is Ecclesiastes, and I was thinking, like. What would the author of Ecclesiastes think of all this stuff? Like, he'd just call it Hebel. He'd just call it, you know, he'd say, what you do doesn't matter, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're going to die. No, but, like, I was just like, that's such a different perspective than Proverbs 31. And yet, but, like, the end of Ecclesiastes is just very similar to the end of Proverbs 31, which is, you know, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The end of Ecclesiastes is... You know, at the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of, of mankind. Right? So right. it's I think what you're I think what you're getting at is really great. It's these things matter and yet like how I do them, what's my character, what's motivating me to do these things, right? Right. Yeah, and it's it's again it's interesting this come full circle here because um, the entire book of Proverbs is a father relaying these bits and pieces of information to his son, and that's how Proverbs were passed on in the ancient world, right? Egypt, Israel, Mesopotamia. But the book ends with, like you mentioned earlier, uh, a woman, and how wisdom is embodied in that woman, and wisdom, chokmah, is feminine, right, throughout the entire book. And it's just interesting that they decided to end the book that way. And it's like, you know, you, it's an acrostic, right? So it's yeah. oral tradition. Yeah. It would have been passed down. And so a man may have recorded it, but it came from, you know, it says his mom told him this, right? And so it, it comes yeah. from a woman. I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. Right. Yeah. Everything else you want to finish this no. class with you? I, I think I'm good. I said, what I, I said my piece. <laughs> well, well, thank you for thank you sharing... For your story, your 
this text with us. I've been waiting for someone to bring this one up. So um, we just have a little bit left uh, throughout. The, we have the rest of this month, and then classes wrap up the, the 17th. So December 17th will be our last class. Hopefully, we'll get through Ecclesiastes um, in time um, to you know finish up our wisdom study. So thank y'all for coming, and you guys have a blessed week.